13.15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. That's what we're here to do today. We bring him our sacrifice of praise. Let's sing together today. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the asked in the in the gospel of mark what the greatest commandment was he said it's this love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and strength and that's the theme of this next song and he is easy to love he's given us cause to love because he has won our hearts from us hasn't he let's sing this together you shall love the lord with all your heart soul and mind
shall love. Sing together. You shall love the Lord with all your heart. You shall love the Lord with all your soul. You shall love the Lord with all your mind. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Sing it again. You shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord with all your heart. You shall love the Lord with all your soul. You shall love the Lord with all your mind. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Oh Lord, I love you. Oh Lord, I love you. For all the things you are. says he is able and that's such a powerful truth whatever it is we're going through whatever concerns us today whatever it is that we're facing whatever it is that we are and and everything we're not we lay it at his feet and we know that he is able more than able to touch to heal to fix and to change us and make us the men and women of God he wants us to be Thank you. 
accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able. He is able. what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. There's nothing too big for him. He is able, sit there for a while, wait for Ada to look at me. <laughs> Lord, uh, let's pray, though. Lord Jesus, we thank you that um, you are more than able. And we have so many things that we can lay at your feet, and you know them all. You know about Jessica and Zoe and Karina and all those that are just troubled and hurting, pains in their body. Some are in the soul, some are finances, just so many things. So you are more than able. So we give you this day and we ask that you would just help us to um, see you in your word and be touched by your word and be affected by your word because that's what you intended to be. Lord. So we just praise you. We thank in your name. Amen. Well, Let's um, open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15.
1 Corinthians 15. And um, we're going to hopefully be challenged and blessed today. I think this is a wonderful portion of scripture. And starting in verse 1 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it's Paul is talking to the church. And I was reading this, and I was very encouraged by it because he starts off, he says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. He says, I want to remind you of something really important, uh, the gospel, the message. By this message, you were saved. You were given freedom. And he goes on to say, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. And I like verse 3 because it says, for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. And some versions say I passed on to you first. Something. This was the first thing that I mentioned to you. He's saying that this was the most important thing that I could give you, and that's why I gave it to you first. That Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. And isn't that true? There is no more, nothing more important than that. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And not just that, that he was buried. He went in the ground. And he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And it goes on to say he appeared to 500, and he appeared to me as well. He says, this is the most important message that I can give you, the gospel, the truth, the good news. Christ came. He came and he died for you and me. And he was resurrected. And he appeared to people so that they would see that it was true. He is risen. This is the most important thing I can tell you. And he told them. And I tell you today the same message. It's the most important message that can ever be preached. Now I want you to think about something. I want you to think about that message this morning. I want you to understand something. Because as we go around and we kind of look at the gospel and we look at the reality of the gospel and we look at the, the, the truth about God and Jesus and you understand something that's very important, it's really, really critical. And I'm blown away with this when you really think about it. It's when God is mentioned, there really isn't much backlash. Because everybody can relate to God because they get to define him as who they think he is. But it's kind of interesting when you say the name Jesus, it elicits something different. It does something different to people. I was reading something that was in the LA Times and they were talking about 
Pastor Rick Warren. And we know that he gave the invocation for Barack Obama, our president. But they had a, a little article. I want you to just listen to this. Will he or won't he? There's been some debate about whether the Orange County Pastor Rick Warren will invoke Jesus' name during the controversial inauguration talk. They expect to hear him invoke the name of Jesus during the invocation. Something Saddleback Mega Church Pastor Rick Warren told his congregation during a recent Sunday service. Warren's prayer and whether or not he will invoke the name of Jesus has been speculated in the media. Speculating what? Not about God. I want you to think about that. It wasn't about, is he going to say God? Is he going to say Jesus? Why? Why is such a big deal about Jesus? Because he is the most important message to be preached, that he came to earth to preach the good news, that he died for our sins, and that he was resurrected. And he's standing at the right. And in order to really get right with God, you have to claim the name Jesus. You have to bow down to him. You have to believe you're a sinner. You have to confess, no, no, I don't want to hear Jesus. Please say God. And we know in the speech, he said Jesus. The, the one who saved me, Jesus. Because you can't say his name, you are not saved from your sins. Because he is the gospel truth. And they said, no, we don't want to hear him. And the world today doesn't want to hear about Jesus. And think about this whole section, because we're going to fast forward to verse 12 now. And my first point, I'm only going to have three points with you today. Three points. The first point is, what if Christ did not rise from the dead? What would history be like? You want to say he's not alive? You want to say Jesus is not real? You want to say he's just a man? I talked to a guy at my job yesterday, and we were just talking. He's a Muslim guy. He says, I don't really believe in my religion. And he's a nice gentleman. And I said, they're basically all the same. I said, they're not the same. I said, Jesus is my Savior. He was born to save me. He came and he died. He says, no, I, and I beg to differ. He was a nice gentleman. He did it gently. He disagreed. He says, in our religion, he's just a prophet. He's just a man. So let's make him a man today. Let's look at the man, and let's see what the world would look like if he was the man that the world wants him to be. Let's make him Jesus the man. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Okay, Jesus, you're the man. You're the man, Jesus. Chapter 1, Matthew. Okay? Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you will... You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people. Oh, no, I can't say that. I can't say he'll save his people from his sins. He will be a positive motivational preacher, a teacher. This is if he is not the Lord, if he's not risen, if he's not the Savior, then he will not save his people from their sins. 
Verse 23, the virgin will give, will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will not be God with us because he wasn't God. So God is not with us now. So we're starting the Gospels out knowing that he is not going to save his people from their sins, and he's not with us. And it begins. Now let's go to 418. Just turn the page. Turn a couple pages. 418. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting the nets, and they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. I can't make you fishers of men now. I can't make you fishers of men, because you won't be able to fish for men. You're going to stay as fishermen. John the Baptist, what was he? He's just basically a crazy man now. Three wise men? No, they're just three ordinary men who never saw a star. They saw the stars. Now, this is what history would be like if Jesus was not the Savior. Matthew 8.1. Isn't this great? You get to, instead of trying to find the different books, I get, you just change the page. Just move. This is easy. I like this. So verse 1. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came to him and knelt before him and said, Lord, are you, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He never said that. Lord, no, he didn't say Lord. He said, I heard about you and, you know, well, I don't know what you can do, but I need to be clean. I'm a leper. And Jesus kind of, uh, I don't know what to say to you. I can't do anything. Would you, what did you hear? I'm a nobody. I'm not the one. And what happened? He left and he died a leper. He left in his sins. He was never healed because verse 3 never happened. He never reached out his hand and touched the man. He never said, I'm willing, be clean. Immediately never happened. You want to say our Savior's not real? This is the picture you get to see. All those out there who say he's not the risen Savior. Chapter 10, turn the page. He called the 12. No, he didn't. He didn't call the 12. They didn't turn the world upside down. They didn't have a gospel message. They couldn't do it because all they had was the same old story, the same old news. Be positive, be brave, be happy, and die. What did they have? Did they have a gospel message? No. No gospel message. No 12. No turning the world upside down. Did not happen. 11.28. Turn the page. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. No, I will give you nothing. So if you come to me and you're weary and you're heavy laden and you're heavy burdened, I can't do nothing for you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the world without the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior, the risen Christ? Man, 
not a prophet. 14.20. They all ate and were satisfied. No, they weren't. They left unsatisfied. They were never filled because it was only just a little food, and believe me, they didn't get to eat because there was no Messiah there was no savior. There was none who broke the bread and spread the table and fed them and satisfied them with the word of comfort for the weary as well as filling the stomach. It did not happen. Now let's go all the way to the cross, 27. 27. And 38, 27, 30 at the crucifixion, just two words, two robbers were crucified. We already know the story, right? We know that one of the robbers just basically said, get down from the cross and take us down with you. And the other one repented on the cross, and Jesus said, I'll see you in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. That never happened. That sinner, that robber is in hell right now. If what they say is true about who Jesus is. He never was redeemed. He was never saved. He was never at the right hand of God. He didn't make it. 28.5. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is here. It says he's not here. No, he is here. He's in the grave. You're looking for him. There he is. So what happened? If he is there, they left sad. They left burdened. They left the same. What about for us today? What about for us today? Me and you. We talked about them. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. We know the verse, don't we? We know the verse. We share it so much in worship. It's a blessing. I hear the verse in my sleep. For you were dead in your transgressions in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And the right version which we have been sharing today is called the hopeless worldly version. Hopeless. You still are dead in your transgressions. You still are gratifying and craving the sinful nature. You still are. I still am. If what they say is true, I am no different. Now let's go back to 15. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 says, But if it is preached that Christ has been, ris been raised from the dead, 
how can some of you say that there is no resurrection? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. This preaching has no usefulness at all. So let's all leave. There is no usefulness to this preaching if he's not risen. Paul said there's no way. You're just wasting your time listening to somebody spouting out stuff because there is no better message. There is no grander story than the Christ coming down and dying for our sins and being raised up again on the third day so that everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. He says, if this is not true, you're wasting your time. And verse 17 says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your faith and my faith, if it's not real, is futile. It's a waste of time. And then verse 19 says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, blind hope, unsubstantiated hope, worthless hope, basically, we are to be pitied more than all men. If he's not true, if he hasn't risen, we are to be pitied more than all other men because we're living a lie. We're coming and we're just putting our faith in a fraud. You get the picture? What would life be like if it was a lie? Now that I got you kind of floating under your seats, because you should be kind of despairing, like, oh, man, where is he going with that? And I'm ready to leave, because that is not the gospel. I don't want to be here if that's the truth, and I don't want to live a, a minute if that's the truth. I don't want to be here if that's not truth, that he's not risen. So that's our first point. But just want you to think about a couple things. There'd be no church family. There'd be no Adel. You understand? Adel and Sylvia, none. They might not even been married. If there is no gospel, if there is no resurrection, if there is no salvation, why would the two of them come together? No church marriages. Hi, Jeff. I see you over there. He's holding Taylor's hand probably. I see you. I'm not going to look at you, but I see you. There would be no Jeff and Taylor. Alan, Brittany, I mean, how? Where would it happen? We, you guys came together here in this church. Stephen, Jennifer, how'd you come together? I see you. I see you. You're looking at me. You wouldn't have came together. Caitlin and, Caitlin and Brittany, you know, what would your lives be like? Sydney and Kayla wouldn't be here. You get that? You get the picture? They wouldn't be here. How could they be here? We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have this association. We wouldn't be loving each other. You wouldn't be here with me, and I wouldn't be here with you. If it wasn't for Christ dying on the cross for our sins that brought us together, I wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be here either. 
I'd be out in the world doing whatever I want to do, living a life. I would not be married at all. I know for a fact because I got saved one month before my divorce was going to be final. And it would have happened. But it didn't happen because Jesus is alive. And Mike, Jamie, sorry. <laughs> At least Jeff and Taylor had a little time together. <laughs> but you would have no time together because you would have never met except maybe at a grocery store or in passing. And you wouldn't have noticed each other. But wait. As Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story. Or you could say the correction to the story. Because point number two is, if Christ has risen, where is the proof? Okay, now I'm happy now because I got that out of the way. I didn't want to do all that because I don't like talking about that, him not rising from the dead. I don't like looking at that picture, but you know it's important to look at that picture. Paul mentioned it. If it's not true, we don't have anything. But we do have something, don't we? Where's the proof? You know, back then there was proof. Did you hear the proof? I read the proof. He showed himself to the different apostles, to the 12, to 500. He showed himself to even Paul. He knocked him up. He showed himself to him. We saw him, they said. I saw Jesus. I looked him in the eye, and I'm telling you, praise God, right here in the scriptures. It shows the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, perfect. I just go in here, and I see him. Where's the proof? Now we have the word of God, the message, the story. Now when I read Matthew 1, and 123, he will save his people from their sins, and God is with us. He will save his people. That was real. Now I'm happy. That's the truth. And if we correct Ephesians 2.1, we have the correction in the Bible. It tells the truth. It says that you were dead, but now you are alive. I was dead, and now I'm alive. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was nothing, and now I'm something. I was shackled, and now I'm unshackled. I was a free man only because of what Jesus did for me. He rescued me. He saved me. Where's the proof, though? You're the proof. Now we're the proof. Our lives should be showing the world the proof that he is alive. Why? Because he should be alive in us. We should have a testimony that's rich. People talk about Jessica, and, 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 and they were saying about Friday night that they went to a place in pottery or something. She was doing something in service, and she was in so much pain. And I heard that she was talking to somebody who worked there, who owned the place, about the Lord. Where's the proof? She's the proof. You're the proof. I'm the proof. Are we living the proof? Are we living lives that truly glorify Christ? I was walking last week, and I blame Adel Ackle for just putting that into my blood where I have to walk. 
So I'm walking, and I'm walking at 6-something in the morning. And this beautiful place around my house, I go up, and I'm walking around, and it is totally dark. And it's raining. But I have an umbrella. And I'm walking around, and I'm dressed for the weather. But I can't see anything. Nothing, hardly. But in the distance, I see lights. But I can't see the path really well. And I was kind of a little fearful. I can't wait for the sun to come up. Like, give me a little bit. I could not see the trees, the leaves, nothing. The clouds, I saw them, thick clouds. And I want you to think about something. I was walking around, and all of a sudden, the sun came up. But I couldn't see the sun because of the clouds. I really couldn't see the sun. But it was interesting how the, the sky was lit up. And I started seeing the trees, and I saw every leaf. And I saw, I saw the pebbles in the ground. I did not see the sun. But I saw the reflection of the sun. I saw the effects of the sun. I saw little pebbles, but I didn't see the sun. And I start thinking, that's the way it is now. We don't see the sun, do we? The son of Jesus. I don't see the sun. The son of the Lord. Jesus Christ, I don't see him. But what do I see? I see the effects of the sun. And I can be the effects of the sun. And you know, it's kind of interesting as I walked around. It was like I can see now. And I felt good that I could see now. Isn't that how Christ has changed our life? Do you see him? I didn't see him. I didn't meet him, but I met him here in the scriptures, and I met him in other believers, and he touched my life because of other people. But I didn't see the sun, but I saw the effects of the sun, and it blessed my heart when I saw Christians reflecting the sun, living lives that truly glorified Christ. They drew me to the Savior, and I wanted to know the sun because of the reflection that the sun had on their life. Does he have that kind of reflection on our life? Does the people, do the people see the proof of Christ in us? Do they see the proof? May they see the proof in me. May they see the proof in me. Are we showing the proof? And I want you to think there'll be a day when the sun will rise and we'll see it. And that's the beautiful part. There'll be a day when Jesus does come. And we'll see him. And he'll take us to be with him. And I love that song where it says, you know, because he lives, what, Dean? I can. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Where's the proof? We're the proof. Are we living the proof? Are we truly living Christ? Are we showing Christ? Is he bright in our lives? Is the world seeing the love of Christ, the joy of Christ, the peace of Christ in us, through us? Are they being attracted and wooed and brought into the church family because of our lives? The proof is us. We are the proof, brothers and sisters, that the gospel is true. We need to take that serious now. Third point and last point is now that we have seen the proof, where do we go from here? Well, 
I think we go to the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and go to verse 51. You want to see the proof? Just turn the page. Beautiful. Fifty-one, you see it? He said, listen. He said, listen, because you're not listening. Some aren't listening. He said, listen, I, 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 I presented a picture to you. I want you to see a picture. I want you to understand that the best news, the greatest news, the gospel I gave to you. I delivered it to you. I wanted you to see the fact that Christ did rise from the dead. He came down and he died for you and me. And that this, some of you are saying it's not true. You have been deceived. It's a lie. He has risen. And then he says, listen. Listen to me. Please listen to me. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. I want you to think about that, really understand something. When we talk about illnesses and we talk about Jess and we talk about Zoe, we talk about Corrine and Steve and Sally and Bill and Daphne and Emily and everybody who's got these illnesses and physical deformities, he says, you will be changed. There will be a day when the sun will come out, the sun will come down, and the sun will say, let's go. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet will sound, and the dead will rise first, and then we'll rise to be with him, and we will all be changed. You will not be the same, Bill. That back issue, it's gone. He says, you will be changed. Those that have been sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in natural body, raised in a spiritual body. We will all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. The last trumpet will sound. And those that have been in Christ, those that have been born again, those that have accepted that free gift of salvation, those that have accepted the gospel message, those that have repented, those that have fell down on their face before him and says, I repent, I give up. I want you in my life. I want to be saved. I want to be rescued. I want to be changed. I don't, I don't want to be in sin anymore. I don't want to live the life I've lived. We who have said that in this room right now and genuinely are saved, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, he will come and he'll say, come home. A new body, a new mind. And I'm not taking anything from here that's not necessary and doesn't fit in heaven. Leave it all behind. I'm going to take you, and I'm going to change you, and I'm going to transform you, and you will be changed, Ron Cooper. And you'll have a bench, Ron Cooper. In heaven, Ron Cooper. Right next to Mike Hyde. Because Mike has already claimed, me and him have said a like little 
promise to the Lord that we're going to sit together and look over the universe and just hang out. And I'll be changed and you'll be changed. Steve, you'll be changed, brother. We pray for you, but you'll be changed. And your little baby Zoe, she'll be changed, brother. Sally, you'll, you'll be changed. This body, it's gone. We'll shed it. It's over, Jim. No more stents, brother. Little ailments we have, gone. I know Karen is saying, what about me? Karen, you won't have any idea. Isn't that sweet? What was he trying to do in this picture? He was saying, I, I have a message for you. The most important message that you can ever hear is that Christ died for you. He died for your sins. <clears throat> he was resurrected, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But he says that's not the rest of the story. The rest of the story is, is he's coming back. And if we go on, it's kind of like he's telling us, he says, death, where is your victory? There's no death. We will not have. It will, there's no sting of death anymore because we're saved. Now, what's our responsibility? And that's where you get to 58. Since I've told you all this, I've created a picture. I painted a picture for you to see. I told you the important gospel. I told you that. I told you that it's a lie that Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. It's a lie. You're not going to die in your sins. Just like he was resurrected, you will be resurrected. And they're now clapping. They're excited now. And he says, listen, I tell you a story also. You will be changed. And believe me, they were encouraged by that. They're Corinthians. And then he says, you have a responsibility now. He says, therefore, dear brothers, my brothers, stand firm. Stand firm in your faith. Don't you relent from it. Don't you give up. Be steadfast, immovable, unshakable, unwavering, steady, firm in purpose. He says, be steady. Hang in there. Let nothing move you. Don't let this world move you. Don't let this world move me. We have too much that's been given to us for the world to move us. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. He says, be about my business. Serve the family of God. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. <clears throat> you remember the story? You guys remember the story? You know, it's a wonderful life. We all love that story. My wife kind of watches it all the time, and we want <clears throat> to check it out, and, you know, the story. The man is, like, totally discouraged by his circumstances. And he looks around, and it's like, I can't stand this. I don't like my life. I don't like my wife. I don't like my kids. I don't like all this stuff I have. I'm, I just can't handle it. Don't we know that? Remember the story? And then the angel comes down and kind of, places him in a place and just kind of unwinds it and says, what if you didn't exist? This is how the picture would look. And he sees it 
You remember that? You remember him walking into the house? You remember him walking past the bank collector and the bank collector is like, I got you now. You're mine. And he's smiling and praying for me. I'm praying for you. Merry Christmas. Then he goes into his house and sees the same kids that he is upset with and sees the guys who are supposedly going to put him in jail. And he's smiling and shaking hands and loving. Why? Because his perspective changed. He didn't change. The circumstances didn't change. His perspective changed. He started to see the real picture that he was really blessed, that he had a wonderful life. All I wanted to do in this message is to create a picture that we as Christians have a wonderful life. That's all. If you take God out of our lives, what are we? You take the Lord Jesus away from you and me, and all you have is losers. And we need to really just be thankful for the fact that we have the Lord and we have a wonderful life. And that's why he says, be steadfast. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Get busy. Don't look at your circumstances. Labor for the Lord, because it's not in vain. He's coming, and he's going to take us to be with him, and we're going to be home soon. And that's why I love that verse that Adrian Rogers, he, he just, it was a blessing. He says, for I reckon that our sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I love that verse. He says, our present sufferings aren't worthy of the glory that God is going to reveal to us when he comes. It's not worthy of it. I'm going to read you one story, and then you can go home. And I pray that the Lord really help all of us to see the perspective. If there's anybody in here right now that you never believed that he was risen, you never confessed your sins, you're not born again, you don't have a relationship with him, today you can do that. And you have a responsibility and an obligation if the Lord talked to you today and showed you that you will go to somebody and say, I want to be saved. If somebody brought you here today, or just some friendly face, because there's a bunch of friendly faces in here, and say, I want to get saved today. What do I need to do? Just need to confess you're a sinner and repent and believe that Jesus died for your sins. But I was reading a story about young William Wilberforce. <clears throat> he was discouraged one night in the early 1790s after another defeat in his 10-year battle against the slave trade in England. Tired and frustrated, he opened his Bible and began to leaf through it. A small piece of paper fell out and fluttered to the floor. It was the letter written by John Wesley shortly before his death. Wilberforce read it again, and John Wesley writes, unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery. Thank you, John which is a scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? 
He says, oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go in the name of God and in the power of his might. And I say that today. Go in the name of God and the power of his might because God is on the throne and praise God that he's coming to take us home to be with him. And it's all going to be over. But let's be steadfast, which is a marked, firm determination to do the right thing and honor our God and be thankful that Jesus is alive. He did rise. We are truly saved. And praise God for all of you. I love you very much. Jesus, we love you so much. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that no matter what people believe, those that believe you are not that you hadn't risen from the grave well, we pray for them, Lord, that they would see the truth, that you did die for our sins, and you were raised on the third day, and you revealed yourself to many so that they would know that you had risen. And the world needs to see you, Lord Jesus. So help your Bible to go out to the world and help people to get into your Bible and read it and meditate on it and help them to see the truth. And help us to be Bibles, living Bibles. That our lives would be so bright that the world would see Christ in us. And that we'd be so steadfast, unwavering in our faith. That they would see the love of Christ, the power of Christ, the victory of Christ, the love of Christ in us. That they'd be drawn to you, Lord Jesus. And that they would want to have you as Lord in their life. And I pray for everybody here that we would really fall down on our faces before you. And we'd be committed to serving you with all our heart, mind, and soul. And anybody here today who doesn't know you, I pray that they would make a commitment today and go to somebody and say, I want to be saved. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And we praise you in your name. Amen.